at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. This is joy, this is summer. Keep alive. Stay alive. protagonista de una ceremonia que rememora nuestra violenta supervivencia humana a expensas de la naturaleza. El toro es sacrificado porque el toro es sagrado. Sobrevivimos porque matamos a la naturaleza. No podemos evadirnos de esta necesidad. Nuestra necesidad es nuestra culpa. Y saberlo es algo que daña nuestras almas. España arranca las máscaras de la hipocresía puritana, transformando nuestra relación. What's your name? I can't remember. Where are you from? I can't remember. Can't you remember anything? I remember the Alamo. Real quick. All right, before... And Joe, back over to you. All right, well, we saw. 
Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow. From the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth in hot Bushwick, Brooklyn, I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. How sour sweet is music when time is broken and no proportion kept? You know what I mean? I'll say it again. How sour sweet is music when time is broke and no proportion kept? Marinate on that. I think Bremer and McCoy marinate on that. That's from Richard II. The sequel. You guys like music, right? Like, uh, you're like Rick Rubin up in here, nodding your head. Man, I I heard Rick Rubin on WTF. That was, that was very tough for me to listen to. It wasn't like a hate listen. It was more like a grimace. I was like Grimace from McDonald's Playland. And I discovered, and I guess some people talked about this. It was was kind of like they do a before and after. Like uh, My Fall Plans, the Delta variant. They put a picture of Judd Apatow and then... Rick Rubin. But they I know they're they're both from Long Island and their voices 
If I had more time, if time wasn't broke and no proportion kept, I would go, and if anybody, if a Race to the Bottom listener wants to do this, grab some samples. You could just do it from WTF with Mark Marin. Lock the Gates. Matt Gates. Bill Gates. Get Judd Apatow talking and get Rick Rubin talking and do like a fun game. Is this Apatow or Rubin? Everybody's talking about it. Their voices are indistinguishable and I would... They're they're both... uh, Would they be uh, Generation... Would they be uh, Generation X? No. Whatever they are, they they have this gatekeeper energy where they're like, I guess that they're somewhat cool, but you're not quite sure what they actually do. But man, do they somehow feel like they're important. Today on the show, we've got our our buddy, the freaking Deacon, Jay Clarkson. It's going to be on in a little bit, and we're going to talk about capitalism. It's not a joke. Growing up, <laughs> growing up, my dad would say, "Joey, say," he'd say, "Joey, we don't have we don't have a car anymore." I'd say, "Why, Dad?" He'd say, "Joey, I lost my job." I'd say, why'd you lose your job, Dad, Daddy? He'd say, Joey, it's something called capitalism. The guy down at the plant said, I'm not a good worker and he can't use me. That's a little... <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about. The kind of stuff that Dad would tell little Joey. Joey, there's a guy named Frederick Hayek. How about that mashup? That mashup was uh, was a th- a throwback that I made about uh, two years ago. That was mashup number five. And what are we on? We I'm on mashup seventy six. So that was seventy one mashups ago. But I think it might be my favorite. And it comes from an, an episode of the show called Taino Bobby. You guys remember Taino Bobby. If there's one show that I, we've, I think there's 120 some shows in the archive. And thanks to Salim Hugh Penny, who was on the show last week talking about Jay Dilla's donuts. And, and Salim said, told everybody, he, it was a call to action. He said, go, go back in the archive and, and check out some of these old shows. And I appreciate that, Celine. But I'll, I'll go one step further. If there's, a, if there's a show in the archive that I feel like is, uh, you know, nothing's perfect. This, this is why radio is, is a beautiful thing. Love is a wonderful thing. Michael Bolton, the best. 
why radio is, is great because nothing's perfect. But if there's a, an episode of Race to the Bottom that might have been knocking on Perfect's door, I think it might have been Taino Bobby. And maybe the, the mashup number five set it all up. It's inspired. A good mashup for me is when things are, are layered on top of each other. It's not just I'm going to play this song and then cut to this song. It's where there's a, a synergy, like Coach Woodson used to tell us in synergy class, where the parts are, are greater than their whole. And what were the parts? We heard Frank Ocean starting us out. We heard Here Comes the Rain Again, just the intro, the Eurythmics. And superimposed off of that. Talk about digging. From the song Peg by Steely Dan. It's just Michael McDonald going, Peg! Which I went on to a, a YouTube documentary about the making of Asia the Steely Dan documentary and found them sitting at their the board and no Rick Rubin wasn't there with them I don't know how they made Asia without Rick Rubin but he was somehow unavailable at the time because only, only Rick Rubin can make great records right I'm sure he was I haven't watched the uh, Paul McCartney thing but I bet he's like a little incredulous that the Beatles made the records they did without him. Um, but they, they played that little segment of Peg. We heard, I think it's the Trouser Press, which uh, listener Nikki uh, requested back in the day, and I put that into the mashup. Heard Erica Badu with I, I'll Call You Back off her EP, which is all like phone related songs. That's a good one. I forgot the name of that one. We heard from Carlos Fuentes from the Buried Mirror. Yes, my research team says Rick Rubin and Judd Apatow are Generation X. I think Jay Clarkson is Generation X. I got to ask him about his dudes. <laughs> uh, we heard from Pee Wee Herman. I can't remember. Steel Pulse with Handsworth Revolution. Shout out to listener Tim. We used to bump that album all the time. That's good stuff. And we heard from um, Richard Sherman talking about Crabtree. Let's see. Uh, let's see if uh, Jay Clarkson. I, so I got to see if this is going to work. I'm trying a new thing on this Zoom here. Let's see. Mr. Clarkson? Jay, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you and you sound uh you sound wonderful. Oh, thanks, man. Can you uh, just and and dear listener, just hold up for a second, please. Uh, Jay, can you can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me tapping this mic? 
Or uh, do you hear me like across, uh, like you're I'm on Zoom with you? Uh, I hear you like I'm on Zoom. Okay. With you. Okay. Yeah. That's but you can hear me okay. And and I can see you, but I haven't turned my camera on. That's fine. Um, I okay. don't. Um, now here's here's the moment of truth. If I do this, can you? Oh yeah. Can you um, can you hear this music as if you it was in your ears? Can it, you, it, I can. It sounds like the music at my uh, my law firm's office. <laughs> this is uh, Bremer and McCoy. You ask about these guys. Yeah, that's also the name of my uh, of my uh, lawyers. Oh, Bremer McCoy. Yeah, yeah. So I sent you, it's Bremer, and then it's a slash McCoy. Would you say it's Bremer and McCoy, or would you say Bremer McCoy? Well, I think Bremer McCoy with the slash would be more like an architect. Uh-huh. Which these guys, maybe these guys are architects <laughs> as opposed to attorneys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why they're not writing me back. I keep trying to get them on the show. Maybe I keep uh, mislabeling them. Do you write in, in Swedish? No. Yeah. I should. How's it going, Jay? It's going okay. I, I, I'll i admit I'm a little bit slow out of the gate this morning. That's okay. Still still in my um, my dressing gown. Mm. Um, but I've got a, um, a tepid cup of Winslow, Winslow. tea I, here. If you see me yeah. on the on the screen here, I'm I I got my th- this is my thermos here. Oh, it slurped to enhance. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm just polishing so I'm off. I'm polishing off my Winslow. I think I'm ready too. Because uh, I know I know how the marketplace works, and mm-hmm. that if your sponsors aren't happy, then the show won't continue. And so I want the show to continue. Yeah, and we're talking about capitalism today. Did you hear me talking about uh, Rick Rubin and Judd Apatow? I did. I did. Any any thoughts about that? Um, Generation X doesn't give a crap about your opinion. (laughs) So, uh, you know, if you like um, music, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you like uh, Beastie Boys or Jay Z or mm-hmm. uh, Latter Day Johnny Cash or the Latter Day um, Saints, yeah, and his work with um, with the Mormon Tabernacle <laughs> Choir, no kidding. <laughs> um, he broke it down with them, yeah, you know, uh, in a way that. You know, Don Waz is not going to do that. Mm-hmm. My so my radio here, Tom Sharpling, was like uh, said. You know, so basically with with like Tom Petty and and Johnny Cash, he was just like the the big Eureka thing was like, how about you? Uh, how about I fire your band and you just bring a guitar in here and uh, play some songs? Right, right, right. Can I? Can I? Um, can I make a confession mm-hmm. here? 
You don't like Tom Petty. I, I don't like Tom Petty. Wow. Yeah. And I know. My um, my wife is a huge Jay Clarkson fan, but I think you just lost her with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm right. Uh-huh. I just, you know, do you got to be me. Do you dislike Tom Petty or do you just not like him? Um, I think I have gone from dislike to just not like. Mm-hmm. Too many people that I that I respect like Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, clearly this is me. This is not about Tom Petty. You mm-hmm. know. Well, so we it's, it's very similar to me, and we've talked about this on the show uh, before during during our Christmas episode where I uh, bashed the uh, Santa Claus is coming to town by by uh, the boss. I'm not. I kind of feel the same way about the boss that you feel about Tom Petty. Yeah, with the exception that you're wrong. <laughs> Um, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about capitalism, but did you, you, you said you may, maybe wanted to just, uh, dovetail with, with last week's episode on, on donuts. You did, you were inspired by, by, oh yeah. I mean, that last was week's such show. a great conversation that, uh, you and Salim had last week. Very inspiring. Um, and uh, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Salim's brother, Micah, mm-hmm. who I taught. Uh, well, he was a student at the school where I taught. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I don't, I don't think I had him as a student. But that's how I first met Salim, is through his brother. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, we can uh, go that direction. Um, I just... Uh, I, I, was particularly drawn in by your discussion of anti-American graffiti, mm-hmm. um, which inspired me to go actually watch the movie American graffiti. Wow. Um, I, which I don't know if that, it, I mean, perhaps you have watched that film in the past. I haven't. Um, I have to confess I have not. Yeah. So Wolfman Jack, who is, sampled in uh, anti-American graffiti mm-hmm. or somebody doing Wolfman Jack. It's not clear to me. Um, also features prominently in that, in that movie in which there is not a single black person, not a single black character. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, there's a, uh, Wolfman Jack's character in that movie exists kind of as a um, um, sort of this mysterious, unseen um, voice and presence um, that he um, he intentionally keeps um, mysterious mm-hmm. and unseen. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when Richard Dreyfuss's character comes and seeks him out, he's like, yeah, no, I'm not the guy. I just play the guy's tape, you know? And so there's a, I think there's a relationship between that and this idea of market forces Mm. being kind of, you know, everybody, 
the the contention is, and especially from that, um, uh, pardon me for using a theological term, that douchebag from the <laughs> Cato Institute um, that want to maintain that you know that market forces just are, and they're kind of invisible and intractable. Mm-hmm. When in fact, um, you know, markets like everything else in the economy are are inventions that we've made up, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess what I'm coming around to is that, you know, in these lyrics, um, the the person being sampled says everybody wants to know, though, you know, six out of five working men want to know. Who's going to take responsibility? Mm-hmm. And there's this constant theme in sort of at least neoliberal capitalism uh, that it's just, you know, it's a force beyond our control that nobody can can really uh, adjust. Yeah. You know. So yeah. so for some background on, on this episode, uh, Jay wrote... I saw that you wrote on on Twitter that you got your voice uh, on this on this show. They they have people call in and say, uh, "Yeah, hi, this is John Reed, and I'm uh, you're listening to Throughline." And and you got, but you you said you were really taken with this three part. I'd never listened to this NPR show Throughline, but I said, uh, you know, you said you were taken by this this uh, three parter on capitalism. And I said, mm-hmm. that sounds interesting. I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to get you on, on the show. And uh, so let's try – we can't assume that our audience has listened to this uh, three-parter. So let me just right. l- lay out kind of what, what they do in the three parts. The first episode is just what is capitalism, and they get uh, these three uh, professors on there to kind of do a, a Zoom dialogue, one of them – is the is this jerk from the Cato Institute, and then uh, then there's a woman who's who um, her area of expertise is in kind of post uh, communist uh, Russia, um, and then mm-hmm. and then this other guy who is a, um, I guess a self professed socialist. Um, they ask questions like, "When did capitalism start?" They, uh, when, or, or our form of American capitalism. When did it begin? Uh, they, I thought they they had a good kind of place setting thing to say. Uh, what do you think of when you picture uh, American capitalism? Somebody said like a, right. a food court right. in a mall, right. like an air conditioned food court in a mall. Um, right. The second episode, they kind of hone in on what makes us free and and they talk about neoliberalism and markets and Hayek and um, Milton Friedman and their Mm -hmm. kind of ideas and how they kind of really became mainstreamed through uh, Reagan and but actually surprisingly by by Carter before Reagan and then through Reagan, mm-hmm. as I always say, Reagan and, and my research team gets on me for that. Um, I don't know why I have a hard time saying Reagan. Um, and then all all the way through the Bushes and Obama and Clinton and um, you know. And then the final episode uh, is about how 
the kind of spirituality of capitalism and the prosperity gospel and and that whole thing right 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 and um i've been a uh, a listener to three line for a long time um and really appreciate them you know i like to le- read a lot of history and appreciate the way that they seem to try to approach these subjects um without um you know through their perspective i mean both of the hosts are are um children of immigrant families you know in the united states and and i think they certainly bring that perspective but but not necessarily an agenda mm-hmm. you know um so in looking at something like capitalism you know i think there's it's easy to build this narrative that's like, you know, you start to get into Illuminati territory pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, and I think they're, I, I like the way they're like, yeah, this is bad. And um, uh, it, it, it may actually be worse that nobody planned it this way. You know, like mm-hmm. this is the way that we, we have developed sort of unrestrained in a lot of ways. Um, when you think it kind of let, yeah, go ahead. When you think of capitalism, uh, what, what's the image that, that you come up with? They, they said a, a food, an air-conditioned food court. If you, off the top of your head, what, what's your picture of, of American capitalism? Um, it's the, the 2008 housing crisis. Mm. Um, and, the, you know, uh, I got really obsessed with that and, and sort of like the frontline documentaries on that. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, Hank Paulson and, um, uh, and that crowd, you know, kind of really, uh, sort of ripping the doors off of the, um, of the, of the car, of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the capitalist car, just saying, you know, we yeah, we're kind of throwing everything out uh, just to keep this thing running. So, um, I think of of, yeah. of Spotify, and I think of the when I get a check uh, from Spotify for the music that I've played, like you know, a few thousand uh, spins that year um, on the music that I, my own music that I have put up on Spotify, and it's a check for like a dollar twenty one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, it's residuals, man. <laughs> so, um, do you want to go big or small? How, how do you how do you want to go uh, about this idea of capitalism? Um, well, yeah, I guess um, the the big thing that I would want I, I'm gonna go real big. Okay. And then uh, you can break it down as need be. But uh, the big thing that I came out that that struck me and really came out in the second of the three episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, but had a, you know, something that I keep thinking about a lot uh, and has a profound influence on the way I do my work is this idea of um, we're kind of, of how we have erased um, any sort of notion of 
of a common space mm-hmm. of of a um a public sphere um and that that shows up in some ways like um people uh you know all of the angst around critical race theory a lot of that has to do with people saying you know um essentially that there 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 are no institutions that practice racism you know mm-hmm. that systemic racism you know can't exist because there's not a system sort of thing mm-hmm. um and on a on a personal level that it reduces everything to um yeah to my um uh See, I need a little win- more Winslow T here, <laughs> slowing down a little bit. <laughs> it reduces everything to my uh, to my will, you know, to mm-hmm. to, um, to my own um, sort of autonomy, mm-hmm. and I think autonomy is uh, again a theological term here. I think autonomy is bullshit. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, so anyway, um, and the way that it, in which, again, I mean, those are shared across um, political um, political lines in this country. You know, those ideas really aren't tra- challenged within any of our current politics, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they, they kind of talk, which I, I think was a good point to bring up about how our mistrust of of institutions and and government and um you know people trace that back to maybe watergate or vietnam war but but they make a pretty convincing argument that it it has a lot to do with with what you're talking about with with this um individualist slant and this idea of the uh, a, a lack of a of a common good or a public sphere um right the, right, the right. issue that I that I always have, and I know my research team has heard me say this a lot, but I feel like it, at its most simplified, capitalism is an equation, right? You have your capital, mm-hmm. then you have you subtract the the effort um, and time and um, money that it takes to create a good, and then you have your um, the the result the the sum or is is your profit right um, right and the issue is that nowhere in that equation is is the common good is the um, uh, our our environmental concerns or are the well being of our workers right and right. and until right. you can recreate the equation. Um, to a- incorporate tho- those costs, um, I think that they're that it, it's just a fundamental flaw, right? And I'm not even sure that um, that that the calculation um, is ever you, you know like I'm. I don't know that there the, the things are are quantifiable. The public space things are quantifiable because as soon as you do that, mm-hmm. you're you're immediately chopping them into 
individualized bits. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I will admit though, that I don't have like, a, I'm kind of in between economic philosophies. Yeah. You know, uh, it's complicated. It's complicated. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, have a real good image for what the alternative would be. Um, Cause I'm not, um, I'm not one, uh, you know, I'm not like uh, Marxists mm-hmm. uh, for instance. Um, uh, and I think part of why that is, is because I think um, uh, how we understand um, let's see if I can if I can loop this together in a way that's entertaining <laughs> for the race to the bottom audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, whether it's it's Marxism or capitalism, the what happens to um, the individual's relationship to the public good is you know somewhere along the line the dignity of 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 the person is, um, or at least attempted to be wiped out, Mm -hmm. you know, both of them have insults to human dignity, which again, going back to, uh, to Jay Dilla, um, and his anti-American graffiti, if the overlying, um, thing that's going on there is, you know, we're all waiting for the million dollar jackpot. Mm -hmm. We're all, uh, waiting for that money to fall out of the sky from this mysterious force. Underneath that is this idea of like my family and my history. And I'm thinking of it, uh, you know, I'm trying to assume Jay Dilla's perspective, not my own, but mm-hmm. the, the family history of, a, um, of a family of African descent in this yeah. country to kind of say, well, we're still here. Like the dignity of our family and the, the dignity of my person still holds despite the forces of market capitalism, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that dignity kind of triumphs over, but it's, uh, which is, um, which is talked about, you yeah. know, I think this really gets lost when people talk about the 1619 project because they, you know, they they quibble with, with, uh, you know, it's, uh, whatever, counterfactuals they felt like were, were included um but the mm-hmm. the idea of 1619 project is that um african americans uh have a huge stake in um uh, what makes this um a lot of the things that make this country uh good yeah right yeah. and in in democracy right. and and making things better and and um yeah, I feel like that was really lost in a lot of the controversy. Right, right, right. And I mean, if you go to um, some of the early Enlightenment ideas about private property, mm-hmm. and that the the right to property derives from um, individuals, you know, making use of the land, mm-hmm. cultivating, and so forth. Um, then the land that was um, 
seized from the Native Americans, mm-hmm. you know, kind of by right belongs to uh, the black families and the uh, agrarian white families that actually put the labor in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, there's a big old, I mean, and I know this is no shock to um, to anybody who's who's paying attention to this, but there's a big old like white European lens set on top of mm-hmm. things like our understanding of private property and individual liberty. Yeah. And that's so you you alluded yeah. to this Cato Institute guy who who was one of the people talking on on the first episode and uh reverting to this idea uh, about the loss of of human dignity that that comes uh definitely from capitalism and from other systems as well um is that so so they had a call from a listener and this this woman was a nurse and was saying just how mm-hmm. how beat down she felt by by the system right. and by her job right. and by the lack of respect that she was afforded um and right. basically this guy was like well that's uh find a better job uh right. you know suffering is part of the equation right um right if 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 i were to try to fix your suffering then i i wouldn't i would be interfering with the market almost is what he was saying right and there was just this right. this dude uh john taffer from bar rescue this was kind of blew up on twitter this past uh, couple of days where he 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 said that uh we shouldn't do any more unemployment insurance because he said a hungry dog is an obedient dog right and all, all these people and you're really seeing it right now in yeah. the uh in um in the restaurant industry all across the country, people don't want to work their asses off for these uh, minimum wage or, or just above, you know, basically starvation wage positions. So all these restaurants can't, can't hire people. Right. And, and it's part of this argument that like, well, they're not suffering enough. If they were suffering more then they would uh, go back into the workforce. Right. But, but maybe, In the in our equation, uh, up until now, we did not uh, afford for um, their dignity, right? Yeah, right, right. I think, and that's a. I mean, I think that's a huge piece of it. And I think that we, there, we talk about things like, or we hear people talk about things like, well, we don't want people to develop a, a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, which is um, paternalistic AF. Mm-hmm. You understand what the uh, abbreviation AF stands yeah, for? Yeah, I do. It's a family okay. show. You already dropped right, so, the, the S-bomb earlier, man. I know. I know. So put it in the show notes. That'll be in the show notes. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's paternalistic to say I'm going to to manipulate your frame of mind and secondly um i think it speaks a lot more to people's um fear of not keeping uh whatever amount of resources they think they deserve Mm -hmm. you know kind of 
uh, masked by this this concern for another person's mental health. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and this kind of speaks to the third episode of that through line series. Um, I do think, you know, it's a weird sort of, of, of paradox. I mean, um, there is a, uh, there is a concern and I think there's a legit, legit concern in, um, uh, across Christianity with, um, the idea that people, uh, are not consumed with despair. Mm -hmm. Uh, that people, I mean, a, a victim mentality is one way to, to, to put it. Um, but I think that there is a, there is a, a part of the message of Christianity is or ought to be, well, I mean, back to that human duty, you know, that, that individuals have dignity and, um, and have a right to be able to exercise their agency, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that people who do not, um, do not experience their own agency, um, aren't able to live in their full dignity. So there's, so there is a piece of it. It's like helping people see their own agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I get that. I guess to to try to tie in some. I told uh, Doctor Dad. You know Doctor Dad. Your your doctor. My I dad. do. He's yeah. He's my doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's he, your dad. Yeah. Uh, he, oh wow. He yeah. he's. I told him I was going to be talking about capitalism, and he kept talking about the the big issue with capitalism is that it hasn't. It doesn't address maldistribution. Um, yeah. You know, we we make this big pile of goods for cheap, but we um, do not know how to effectively uh, distribute them. Um, you know, and right. and and it kind of gets to what you were saying before that anything that feels like um, redistribution uh, to to someone who has experienced privilege feels like a loss. You know, if any kind yes. of yeah yeah um um and unfair right including in it including to the point where where we all watched um jeffrey go to space mm-hmm. instead of like help feed hungry people yeah. like wipe out poverty in the united states for a year or you go to space and wear a stupid hat. Yeah. You know, but that, we all watch that happen. Yeah. But that, but that exists in so many choices we make, right? We, you could, we could, yeah. you can, you and I could go out to a, a fancy uh, meal or we could, right. you know, give that money to doctors without borders or something. Like we always right. make those calculations. It's just the, the scale, right? But the scale is obscene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that there is uh, a difference between, um, uh, yeah, my having picked up food from the laughing seed the other night mm-hmm. and um, 
in Jeffrey Bezos. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's also because we don't, we can't understand the scale, right? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some, uh, our friend of the show, Jake Frankel, um, likes to do this illustration. I forgot where he ta- he saw it. Maybe it was in the New York Times. If you stacked up um, like my wealth in a um, hundred dollar bills on the table, you know it would. You know, or most right. people would like reach to their chest. You know, um, if right. you stacked up uh, like a billionaire's wealth. A, a billion dollars in a hundreds like reaches up into space, you know, like we don't, yeah. we don't yeah. get, it, it's beyond our comprehension to understand how much money a billionaire has. Right. Right. Well, I think it's, and I think it's beyond theirs. Yeah. Like I can imagine, um, how I could spend maybe $500 million. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking about all of the illicit um, uh, products that Brazil has to offer, <laughs> you know, um, and Colombia and the United States, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I could get to 500 million and then to have like 10 and a half billion on top of that. It's just. It's inconceivable. You know. So, what so do, I think it's beyond anyone's comprehension. So what do we do about this? How do we figure this out? <laughs> I um I don't know. Some days I have a handle on that. Sometimes some days I don't. And I, this is one of the days I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. But um I'm I'm on my way. With the Winslow? To to understanding it better. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think it's it's one of those things where I think that um like it is just broken like it's just broken. Um well, I'll say this within within Christianity and and Wendell Berry. Mm-hmm. Um I love Wendell Berry. The poet yeah, the poet and author from from Kentucky has a great article about you know the small economy, which is the human economy, and the great economy, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the divine economy within which the human economy sits. You know, um, and how within that larger economy, you know, the human economy is broken. Uh, and part of how we know it's broken is that things die, you know, mm-hmm. but within the divine economy, all of the, you know, nothing is lost along the way. Uh, everything that dies gets turned back into, uh, something else. So, um, there's, I, at least my understanding is that, you know, we have, uh, both an opportunity and an obligation to participate in that greater economy. Mm. Um, knowing that we're going to fail, like I'm going to fail at that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to choose the fancy takeout food when I could be helping other people. Yeah. You know, but it's the, it's the struggle 
to engage with that greater economy. It's the struggle to um, to get myself to the point where I am in more harmony with that greater economy um, that makes the difference. That therein lies some some kind of of redemption. You said it, man. I I uh, I think we should we should leave it there, and because I I got to do a little housekeeping and play a song and get ready for Crime Talk BK. But yeah. But this this was great, and thank you, and thank thank thanks to the listeners who can kind of uh, engage with us on this kind of uh, kind of deep conversation, trying to trying to get a uh, get get deep like Marianne Williamson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for the chance to think about and talk about this stuff, and and again, I encourage people to check out Three Line. It's mm-hmm. a great podcast, and I'll I'll jump on to uh, Salim's endorsement of the um, of the Radio Free Brooklyn app. I went back; I was able to go back and listen to the the Donuts episode several times, and resulted in a um, a humdinger of a sermon for my congregation nice. the following day. So, all right. Well, don't be a stranger. Uh, g- give us give us a call, or, or we'll have you back on the show soon, Jay. Thanks thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thanks, John. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Good guy. Good guy. Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by My Choice Pharmacy. Offering little or no cost medical braces. More information is available at 844-598-6639. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can show your support by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and and uh, click on the donate button. And and uh, you know we live in a capitalist economy, so you can show your appreciation in a capitalist. Uh, means next week on the show we've got my buddy kyle one of the most amazing chefs i've ever known who you might know from our thanksgiving prep episode he's going to come in and talk about we're going to figure out food (laughs) we've got some great shows coming up um in the next few uh weeks i've got i've got this thing scheduled for a month out and i've got man do i have some guests so um keep dropping by the the radio free brooklyn playground (laughs) and got like 70 i just counted them there's like 76 shows on our station poke around there's some really good stuff people uh doing it just for the love and let's close out with Talk Talk, Ascension Day, getting part of the uh, the global, what, what did he say, the greater economy? This is like the Wendell Berry economy here, this Talk Talk song, Ascension Day, Race to the Bottom.